This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, June 16th, and today we have three conference semifinal series to put under the microscope we will hit the nets in the box after kevin durant's signature performance on tuesday evening and we have two series tied 2-2 heading into wednesday night plus some huge news out of phoenix and la around chris paul and Kawhi leonard all of that and more including some coaching news coming up in just a second Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I am joined by Steve Alexander and Ryan Knaus. Steve, I got to start before we get into all the things we have to talk about. You and I were texting last night. I asked if you were going to do the podcast, and you said yes. You made some obligatory MacGruber reference about how you'd be here. And then you said, <laughs> Martin is in. And I was like, what? Who? Martin is in for the podcast? Like, who is this Martin? I We've not talked about anyone named Martin coming on the podcast. I was like racking my brain thinking, who are you going to talk about? And I was like, who's Martin? And you were like, ouch. And I was like, man, th- this is some guy. I'm so, I You talked to me about Martin. I don't remember. And then like... A good two minutes later, you were like, Braves reliever Chris Martin just came in and like gave up a few runs. I was <laughs> truly confused. And uh, I think I need more sleep. That's my conclusion. Well, I think I just assumed you were dialed into the Braves because I just assumed you were watching uh, both the basketball game and the baseball game because that's how you roll. I was dialed into that Nets-Bucks game. I had no baseball on. Ryan, how are you? I am. I am well. <laughs> I have no footing. I have no footing in the Martin is in conversation. I was going to let that one just play out. <laughs> Martin is in. <laughs> Martin is in. Ryan is in. Steve is in. Matt's in. All right, let's get into some basketball talk. Before we get to the recent games and some box scores, we obviously have some news to hit. According to the Athletics, Shams Charania, Chris Paul is going to be sidelined for an indefinite period of time after entering the NBA's health and safety protocols. His status is, quote, up in the air for the start of the Western Conference Finals 
guys. And obviously, just brutal news for Phoenix. And we don't know the timing yet as of this recording. I think at this point, if you're the Suns, you have to hope that Clippers Jazz goes seven, which would be on Sunday, and you buy as much time as possible. But along those lines, and this dovetails into the other big piece of news, according to ESPN's Brian Windhorst, Kawhi Leonard is expected to miss game five due to a knee injury. He sustained in game four, and his status for the rest of that series is in doubt, Ryan. Just an unreal, surreal morning in the NBA. I mean, what do we take away from this whirlwind of news out of the West? <laughs> well, once again, injuries are defining a playoff series. And to me, that's just a travesty. We've seen so many, right? Like so many of these playoff games and series as a whole are hinging on health. Uh, we'll probably talk about the Sixers in a bit. And you've got Joel Embiid's knee. The Sixers season hinges on his health, etc. cetera. Uh, so just hugely disappointing. Hopefully, talking about Chris Paul, uh, he is vaccinated. We we don't know, I guess, is the assumption. Unless either of you guys, have you heard if he is or is not? I think that's pretty unclear. That, based on okay. looking around, seems unclear. Right, because that could determine how long he's out, right? If he's not vaccinated and has COVID, he could miss 14 days or so. If he is vaccinated and was just in the vicinity of someone who has COVID or something like that, maybe he's just out a handful of days a week tops. Uh, but obviously, yes, Phoenix is is uh, rooting for the Clippers to push the Jazz to game seven or win in six, I suppose. And I mean, do we want to talk about the fallout for the Suns or switch to Kawhi? Steve, let's get your reaction on the Suns thing. Like we were talking about campaign before this. I mean, but we don't know whether campaign is going to factor in. We don't know whether campaign is going to get his chance. We really don't know about Phoenix at this point. So I think we've almost said everything there is to say unless you have something to add. Well, I just think it's I just props to Ryan for having some minor understanding of how these how these uh, quarantine rules seem to work, because I don't think anybody else has a clue. And, you know, I don't know. I I just can't even imagine what's going through Chris Paul's mind right now. And I, I'm I'm guessing he's he's a little frustrated, as we all should be. I mean, he's playing literally the best basketball of his life. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got the Suns in position to Cinderella this thing like Bill Murray mm -hmm. and Caddyshack. And now we get that we wake up to this on a random Wednesday morning that we don't know when Chris Paul is going to play again. And you know, when, when Michael Porter jr. Entered the, he was the, the first protocol guy that I really remember happening. And they were like, he's going to be out indefinitely. And I, you know, as a guy who had Michael Porter Jr. in every single league, I was like, wait a second. Like, wh what are you talking about? And then it was like three, three, four weeks later, he came back. So, I mean, it's nothing new. It's nothing we haven't seen before. But this, as far as playoff injuries go, this this is up there pretty high as far as just stunning. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, you know, like you said, it's nothing new, but it. It's not something we had been that has been affecting the playoffs really to this point. So that's another reason it feels so stunning. And let let's turn this to the Clippers now. I mean, Ryan, Clippers are toast with no Kawhi, right? Can you foresee any scenario where just Paul George just you know lifts the team on his shoulders or something like that? It's it's hard to picture, isn't it? I can picture it, but not against the Utah Jazz. Put it that way. Uh -huh. You know, the, the Clippers, as you said, Paul George's usage jumps 5% without Kawhi, but that's not enough. Like, PG has been kind of hot and cold. Even if he's hot, I'm not sure that's enough 
to pull out wins without Kawhi. We've seen, I mean, he's been a singular dominant force when when he, when he's on. He's the reason the Clippers are where they are. They're going nowhere without Kawhi. Um, you know, can they get more contributions from Reggie Jackson? Sure, Terrence Mann could start. He's he's proven right. to be a solid guy now that he's finally back in the rotation. You know, Marcus Morris steps up perhaps, but those are all, you know, it's shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic type thing. It's not it's not going to be enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you probably already know my thoughts on Paul George putting this team on his shoulders and carrying them <laughs> to a championship. Like, Just run back our podcast from Friday if you want to hear Steve's thoughts on Paul George. <laughs> not going to happen. Um, Kawhi Leonard is doing everything for that team. And literally, if, he, if he's out, like Marcus Morris is probably, your, well, Paul George. And Marcus Morris are your guys. And Steve's so hesitant to call Paul George the go-to guy in Kawhi Leonard's apps. <laughs> He's <laughs> that's not. How low, I don't, I that's don't how trust, low Steve is on Paul George. I don't trust him at all. At all. I trust him to have a good game now and then and like explode for some you know 30-point, 10-assist awesome game. But I also know he's going to come back the next night and shoot 4 of 17. Well, Ryan, you mentioned Terrence Mann, and because this is partially a fantasy podcast, less so during the playoffs, but we do talk some DFS here. I think that's one DFS guy to consider, Ryan. And maybe we would see the return of Rondo to the rotation as a potential kind of low salary DFS option. I mean, he hasn't played the last three games. I think he wasn't even active in game four. Could you foresee that scenario, Ryan, coming to pass? To Rondo? Sure. I mean... Ty Lue has proven that he's willing to make some bold moves. He's already shuffled the rotation a couple times, uh, you know, changing the starting lineup, Zubats to the bench, that kind of thing. So he's, I mean, all options are, are open to him, and I'm sure that he and his coaching staff will exhaust them all. And they brought in Rondo, you would think, for a moment like this. Like, why right. trade for him mid midseason if they weren't going to rely on his playoff experience and so forth? Down the strut, down the stretch in a clutch situation without your best player, you know, against the top seed in the conference. So, absolutely, I think Rondo's in play, but I wouldn't necessarily target him for DFS unless there's some assurance of playing time, which we're not going to have. I, I would lean towards Terrence Mann. Honestly, I think he's going to get a hefty dose of minutes without Kawhi, whether or not he's starting. Yeah, I mean, the, the two guys out of these two news items. I think are Terrence Mann and campaign. And we didn't even, we didn't even brush on uh, Cameron Payne in Phoenix. I mean, he, he was playing really well with Chris Paul on the times we've seen Chris Paul out this season campaigns really stepped up and taken over. Like I, I doubt there's leagues out there where you can just go pick up a, a guy unless you're in some weird postseason fantasy league where you can do that. But I mean, as far as DFS, as far as fantasy in general goes, I mean, campaign to me is the guy you really want to target here. And then Terrence Mann, secondary. Um, Terrence Mann was already playing pretty good minutes and, and making a contribution to that team. And if Kawhi Leonard's out, it sounds like Kawhi Leonard is not only out for game five, like he's questionable yeah. for the rest of this series. Like mm -hmm. he, he hurt his knee. Like this is not good news for the mm -hmm. Clippers. And, you know, no. it's, it, <laughs> Sorry, guys. It could be done. Brutal. Br yeah, brutal morning for Suns fans and for Clippers fans and just for basketball fans, obviously. I mean, the West playoffs were pretty intriguing, that side of the bracket. So it's tough. And uh, I, I will say it's wild that 
playoff rondo a dnp the last few games is just a low-key storyline i would not have expected one year removed from you know what he did in the bubble yeah playoff rondo dnp for the clippers the last few games so we'll see if he comes back into the rotation meanwhile let's talk about what what happened on tuesday on the court it was the nets 114 the bucks 108 james harden returned and played 46 minutes but frankly looked pretty bad he was one for 10 0 for 8 on threes the big story here obviously is kevin durant 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, played every second of this game, Ryan. First player to have at least 45 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists in a playoff game. Just an across-the-board absurd performance from KD. Ridiculous. You know, it was made that much more impactful, I think, by watching James Harden just play as a husk of himself next to KD. (laughs) Like, this was the, the distillation of Kevin Durant in playoff mode. And I mean, the Bucks needed to make adjustments. I think anyone watching this game was like, why are they not triple teaming Kevin Durant right yeah. now? Make I know he's a good passer and he'll pick you apart on those, uh, you know, making the the skip pass and all that. But take your chances. This guy is lighting up anybody you put on him. You know, maybe Giannis could have covered him more, but he's not adept at doing that beyond the three-point line. P.J. Tucker was just getting toasted. Same with Chris Middleton. It was quite the display i mean you mentioned the first time in nba history those numbers have been put up totally dominant and next to him james harden was just like a scarecrow most of the game all of his shots were shortened to the left clearly bothered by the hamstring had no explosion didn't even attempt to drive the ball defensively he was just waving at people and doing a remarkable job i mean thankfully he's strong enough he was actually putting up some resistance and Giannis couldn't drive past him on a critical possession at the end of the game yeah uh, but man away. harden looked bad and the fact i mean steve nash rolling the dice here playing kevin durant a year removed from achilles surgery and and then james harden playing on a bad hamstring he's already aggravated multiple times and he plays them 48 and 46 minutes respectively to get the key win I mean, that takes my breath away. You know, it's it's the playoffs. It's all hands on deck. I, I have so many thoughts about what we saw in that game. First of all, P.J. Tucker may have been watching uh, Round Ball Stew the other day when we were, or I anyway, was raving about his defense and what a great job he did shutting down Durant. <laughs> and, you know, he's so fired up to, to play against Durant. And then KD just literally picked him apart limb by limb in that game last night, like one of the most outstanding playoff performances I, th- I think we've ever seen. Um, so, so there's that. And then, you know, as Charles Barkley called Anthony Davis uh, street clothes, I came up with a new nickname for James Harden last night. And that is decoy. You gotta be the most, the, the greatest player and most expensive decoy uh, in the history of the NBA. Harden was out there doing nothing one for 10, but you know what? Props to James Harden for getting out there, trying to play. He didn't aggravate it. He didn't leave the game. I think he was just trying to stay on the court, be a decoy. And um, I I don't know how well it worked, but they won the game. And then as far as Giannis goes, Giannis, um, the ability that James Harden on one leg could stop Giannis from driving on him and just taking a fadeaway baseline jay with the game on the line is kind of ridiculous and and harden even waved off the defensive help because he knew he he, he knew what he was dealing with and he was dealing with a guy that still hasn't figured out how to have a a killer mentality like he doesn't have that killer instinct Giannis doesn't and until Giannis decides that he's going to take over games 
and dominate people and, and go inside and abuse people. Like, I don't know, man, this, this Bucks team really has some soul searching to do. And I, la- my yeah. last point, the Nets need to put Giannis on the free throw line. I don't know why they're not doing it. Just, yeah, just responding to that Giannis thing. I mean, I will say there were multiple instances where he got ahead of steam and just bulldozed Blake Griffin on drive. So, I mean, it was there for for plenty of the game. I guess maybe you mean in the closing moments, Steve. There was also the play yeah. where Middleton drove and threw a pretty nice pass to Giannis and he couldn't handle it. I guess you can just call that bad luck or whatever. But, uh, yeah, just brutal if you're a Bucks fan. That Durant three that he hit on that absolutely busted possession where Harden just held it and held it and held it. And like, what, what's he doing? And then Harden gets one of the most garbage assists I've ever seen where he just <laughs> dumps it off to Durant who like double pumps and drills a three. That was, that was pretty backbreaking for Milwaukee too, Ryan. Yeah. I mean that, that pretty much sealed the deal. Uh, I'm with Steve though. I think Giannis right in those closing minutes, he kind of looked deer in headlights esque offensively. And it's partly just because he, hasn't expanded his offensive repertoire to the point where, you know, he hit, I think his first two, three pointers, but that's not a shot. He's going to take down the stretch. Uh, You give him the the ball in the post. He's operating, you know, we've already discussed this play against James Harden, but he settles for a spinning fadeaway baseline jumper. That's not his game. And there's no reason Milwaukee shouldn't have gone directly at James Harden on one leg and Blake Griffin defensively all night long, force them to cover you in switches force the action at those players and they did it for stretches and they did it successfully, but then they went away from it at the end of the game. I mean, that was an epic collapse and Mike Budenholzer is going to deservedly face plenty of heat for not making the defensive adjustments for not running sets Mm -hmm. to get, you know, maybe Middleton a bit more involved in those critical uh, plays down the stretch, but that was a huge collapse. The Bucks led by, I think, 17-18 in the third quarter and ended up frittering away what could have been the, you know, the series-defining win. Ryan, I, I could not help but notice you, you used the phrase, Giannis looked like a deer in headlights. So maybe that, <laughs> maybe that it will be a new catchphrase the, the Bucks pun. slogan for the Bucks. Instead of fear the deer, it could be deer in headlights. <laughs> a good headline up until that point i was mesmerized by ryan's farm imagery with james harden looking like a husk of himself and a scarecrow so (laughs) ryan ryan is really really uh coming out strong here today um i just want to say i mean i don't think we've even mentioned jeff green yet he had 27 points was Mm -hmm. seven for eight on threes made his first seven uh blake griffin despite getting just like knocked out of the picture by Giannis a few times trying to play defense had 17 points and the Nets won on a night that James Harden Joe Harris and Bruce Brown combined to shoot four for 26 and the one other thing I'll say I can't I can't remember whether this has been said yet I I certainly have heard some Bucks fan friends complaining that Bud won't put Giannis on Durant and just and see what happens Did, did we already talk about that no I don't think we have um you know, I was talking to my, my buddy last night while we were watching the game, and I and he he kept talking about Kevin Durant. I was like, man, poor Jeff Green. Like Jeff Green, the best game of his playoff career, which is a long career, is, is just going to be swept under the rug, and nobody's going to mm-hmm. be talking about it because of what Kevin Durant did. And that's exactly what we did. Even though I I had made a mental note before we did this to make sure I talked about Jeff Green when I was talking about that game, I I didn't do it, and. How weird is it to see Kevin Durant and James Harden and Jeff Green, OKC alumni, all all in Brooklyn together? It's pretty wild. But um, 
Yeah, that's my thoughts on Jeff Green. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Green, his game spoke for himself. He was just red hot from deep. Sometimes it happens. Uh, As far as to, to address your Giannis defending KD thing, you know, to some extent, that's not Giannis's game because KD was operating with high screens around the three-point line a lot of the time. Right. Is Giannis going to fight over those 30 feet from the basket? But but my, you know, and a lot of Bucks writers are saying that's not really, you know, he's at his best as a free safety, basically. Put him on a non-shooter, let him float around and cause defensive havoc. I get that. But when you're in a game where Kevin Durant, future Hall of Famer, is absolutely lighting you up and you have a yeah. defensive player, you know, past defensive player of the year, perennial candidate put him on kevin durant take your chances i maybe that's not his his absolute strongest suit but give a guy with length on the perimeter trouble some of those three-pointers that were just looking like like practice shots out there uh i don't understand why you wouldn't at least try it well and i think coach bud is probably like hey i've I've got pj tucker he's been doing a great job on on durant i'm just gonna i'm not gonna you know, rock the boat. But what if, what if Doc Rivers would not have put Ben Simmons on Trey Young would have left Danny Green on him the whole series. Right. Kind of Danny Green got hurt. But I mean, why would you not try Giannis against Kevin Durant? It, it makes sense. They played each other in the, in the regular season, deed up on each other. I, I don't know why you wouldn't try it. And I, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about coaches in the next few minutes and coach Bud, uh, if the Nets don't, I mean, if the Bucks don't get out of this series, you have to wonder how long of a leash he's going to have because they went out and made the moves. They went out and got Drew Holiday. They've got their own big three. They've got arguably one of the top three players in the entire NBA, and yet they still have trouble uh, in the playoffs and, and being as good as they should be. So I wonder how much of this is going to fall on Coach Bud. Yeah, no doubt. And before we move on from this game and look ahead to Wednesday night and talk about that coaching news you referenced, Steve, I just want to uh, quickly acknowledge that James Harden travel uh, where he jumped, had nowhere to go, (laughs) landed, I think maybe tried to call a timeout after he landed, then argued with the ref. That was true perfection. That was was something really special. I, I could not talk about this game without referencing that. It was amazing. If he had thrown like a flop in there, it would have just been absolutely like he came down and pretended he got hit or something. That would have been yeah. hard to it. By the way, he did get poked in the eye and then by PJ Tucker and totally sold it. I mean, I'm sure that actually really hurt, but then he he did the extra like dive backwards. So yeah. Yeah. His first bucket too came on a drive. It was an and one bucket where he clearly just threw himself into the defender to create contact and then and then made it. And that's the exact play that the NBA is looking at the competition committee is looking into rule changes to prevent players from jumping sideways or backwards to draw that kind of illegitimate contact and get the whistle. But hey, the rule's not in place yet, so he's still milking it. Well, and you know, it's weird because it seems like what used to be an and one is no longer an and one. And it, I think it depends on what player it is. Uh, somebody got one. It was Harden got one last night that I didn't think should have been one at all. And then, but you know, some of these other players, superstars too, never get them. Trey hardly ever gets and ones anymore, unless it's just, unless he's floating through the air, like releasing the ball as he's <laughs> hit. But when they get hit, yeah. as they're go- starting their shooting motion, they're not calling continuation anymore. And, I'm not used to it. I don't like it. It seems like Luca and Trey both do not get that call very often. <laughs> they don't know how to call that. They don't know how to call the Trey Young play where he stops with the defender on his back and shoots. And to Ryan's point, I mean, I'm sure there are times where he 
kind of jumps into the defender as well. But there are times he just he knows the defender's there and he just jumps up and shoots. And I mean, I think it's a shooting foul a lot of the time. And they just right. it's very inconsistent how they call it, to your point, Steve. It just seems a little haphazard. And eh, not this time. Let's not call let's not call it if it, it feels that way watching it. Let's not call it a shooting foul this time. We'll give him the next right. one. You know, yeah. it's like what what's right. the rule? What when is it, sh- it he's gathered and he's shot it. So it's a shooting foul. And at, at what point are you penalizing players for being cerebral and intelligent enough to anticipate that contact, to know how defenders are playing them, to know the coverages, and to therefore draw that contact? Right? It's almost right. like they're they're being penalized for for knowing that the defender is jumping into them and and getting that shot up quickly. Right. And so, yeah, I agree. Don't give it to him if he's you know out of his cylinder jumping into the defender and. I don't like that play, but I think that mm-hmm. you're allowed to jump and shoot whenever you want to, you know? I mean, period. Moving on. Reggie Miller said... <laughs> I'm not done yet, Steve. I'm st- No, I'm just kidding. Go <laughs> we'll ahead. We'll keep going then. I don't... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Reggie... I was just... I, I meant to say switching subjects instead of... Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, but Reggie Miller tweeted, I think it was this morning, um, and it... I, I noticed a lot of people re- responding to him with rage, outrage, and delete this tweet and stuff like that. But he said, "Do you think that Nash should just go ahead and bench Kevin Durant and James Harden, rest them for Game Six in Milwaukee, and then put in all his chips for Game Seven back in Brooklyn?" And people are like, "Are you insane, dude? Like, what is wrong with you?" And I agree. I, I think it's it's crazy. <laughs> but to Reggie's point and to what Ryan said at the beginning, forty eight minutes for KD, forty six for for James Harden. Like, m- maybe you don't rest them, but maybe you put them on a twenty eight minute cap or something that night. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on how the game's going, but. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right. Well, Wednesday night, we have two Game 5s on the schedule. Hawks Sixers in Philly is the first one on Monday. Just quickly, since we haven't talked about that game, it was the Hawks 103, the Sixers 100. A truly incredible game. You know, Trey Young playing through a sore shoulder, went 8 for 26, but had 25 points, 18 assists, just two turnovers. The Hawks win on a night that Bogdan Bogdanovich also shoots 9 for 24. 
John Collins came up huge down the stretch as the Hawks erased an 18-point deficit. Ryan, Steve and I, I feel like have talked so much about the Hawks and the Sixers, we don't even know what we're saying anymore. What, what's your perspective on this series right now as it's tied 2-2? I mean, it's been a lot of fun. It's it's a, a great series to watch. I loved that that game four. John Collins, as you mentioned, had three ridiculous dunks, I believe all in the third quarter to really spark mm-hmm. that turnaround for Atlanta, got them going. You know, Ben Simmons' defense on Trey Young has been exceptional. I think, you know, Simmons was unanimously nominated to the uh, first team all defense, I, I believe. Uh, one of the top vote getters for defensive player of the year. So, you know, his impact is still being felt in this series. It's just going to be a, a battle all the way to the finish. And I mentioned at the top how injuries are, have been such an unfortunate through line for almost every playoff series. I'm hoping that Embiid stays healthy because these two two teams at their best is a really, really fun slugfest to watch. Uh, just a ton of talent on both ends of the court. So it's been a lot of fun. I hope Embiid stays healthy. I mean, 0 of 12 in the second half in game four. Yes. He missed that bunny yes. uh, right down the stretch that would have given Philly a one-point lead. Obviously did not look like himself. Still played huge minutes, uh, and we've still seen him playing at, at a high level. But you wonder how much that slight tear in his uh, right meniscus is bothering him. Well, Steve, I know you want to jump in. I just want to quickly say I'm in an awkward spot now because I said earlier in this series I'm done talking about Embiid's knee because I was seeing zero effects of that Hmm. knee injury early on when he scored I think 39 and 40 points the first two games even game three when he had like 27 points nine rebounds eight assists I mean he was just dominating so my point was let's stop talking about the knee that okay he may be in some pain I'm sure I believe that and maybe it is hindering him a bit but the guy is dominating so I I just felt like it was a pointless storyline to some extent. Now, game four, I guess you can argue it came into play, or did he just have a bad night? I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't want to just give him a pass because of the knee either for shooting four for 20. I feel like he legitimately took some bad shots too. And if he's out there playing, he's out there playing. You know what I mean? So I feel like I'm kind of being hard on the guy, but he's also playing against my team and he's the best player playing against my team. So respect to how good the guy is, but I don't want to just be like, well, he's hurt. Oh no, what a shame. He also had a bad game and he played through it. Steve, what are your thoughts? Well, it's interesting because I was with you. Like, I'm not talking about Embiid's knee. He doesn't even look hurt. This is dumb. But he went to the locker room early in that he game. He did. And they looked at his knee and his knee was bothering him. And true, he came back and finished the game and played through it. But I've not seen Joel Embiid ever go 0 for 12 and a half before. I think that the knee has to be bothering him. It has to be an issue for him right now. And like Ryan said, I, I would I would never hope injury for anyone. I hope Embiid plays all the way through this series. But I honestly think the only way the Hawks are going to win this is if Embiid, if either his knee is messed up or he can't play. Because Philly dominated games two and three. They may have dominated game four. They were up 18, 19. If Embiid does anything in the second half, the Hawks probably don't win mm-hmm. that game. So Yeah, but also, Steve, the Hawks shot 36% from the field, 30 on threes. Bogdan Bogdanovich had how many open jumpers that he missed that he normally makes. I mean, so there's a lot of ifs there. And so, again, Embiid, maybe some combination of the knee and shooting badly, but I don't want to take credit away from the Hawks either because I think they played a hell of a game to win that game. And, and uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's a great series. I don't. I just don't want asterisks on it. You Matt, know, it, Matt, I want him beat healthy too. I want him beat healthy too. To be honest with you, Matt, I don't want to talk about the knee because I want him playing healthy. I want these teams at full strength. 
when the at ATL Hawks Twitter feed this morning asked us who the biggest Hawks fan I know is, I gave him a little at Matt Straub. <laughs> I did. <laughs> At Matt Stout. Yep. He's proven the point for you, Steve. <laughs> he loves him some Hawks. <laughs> I rewatched the fourth quarter of that game because I was so stressed huh? out watching <laughs> game four. I had to like see it with fresh eyes. And I will say, Ben Simmons has played some really good D, but on a critical bucket that Trey Young got late, Simmons just watched him go by him. And I, I can't huh? figure out why he does that sometimes. You know, I don't know, a lapse or what, but but Trey Young just torched him late for one of those floaters. And by the way, Ben is now 18 for 53 on free throws, and the Hawks refuse to hack a Ben, which continues to be strange, but it's just clearly not Nate McMillan's thing, Ryan. Same thing with the Bucks, as, as Steve mentioned. Like, why, when the Nets had that late lead, and Giannis is 11 of 33 in the series or whatever he's sitting at, clearly rattled at the free throw line. I'm like, why not send this guy to the line? Why why take you know take the risk that he's just going to drive through your defense? But same thing with with Simmons. I mean, that's a huge liability that's magnified in the postseason. As for the intentional hacking strategy, it totally depends because a lot of coaches don't like to do it because it messes up their own team's rhythm. Now mm-hmm. you're constantly taking the ball out under your own basket and trying to march down and facing a set half-court defense. So, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a negative to it for your own squad as well. No doubt. Game three was the game to do it if you're the Hawks, where you had absolutely nothing going. You look horrible. You're already right. out of rhythm. Might as well try it. You know, you're Muddy down double up. digits. Sure. And you got to get in the get, get back in the game. If they weren't going to do it then, I don't know when they'll ever do it. Yeah. But I, I'm with you. I mean, I would rather hack a Simmons than I would a Giannis because I think Giannis hit four six last night. He actually, you know, was making one out of two down the stretch. And Simmons, I feel like you put him on the line and the crowd starts yelling like he is he has no shot at making the free throw. <laughs> like, it's it's broken and he should be I I don't care if I have to face half court. I don't care if I'm going to score two or three points on my trip down the court and I'm going to they're going to score one point every two trips because I got Ben Simmons shooting free throws over and over again. I'm fine with that until I've got a 20 point lead. By the way, some some news that maybe only Hawks fans care about, but apparently Cam Reddish has been cleared to return by Atlanta's medical staff. Hmm. And uh, I, it's unclear. He may not play in Game 5, but yeah, maybe no one else cares. But Do interesting you- for a Hawks team that needs literally any help on the wing they can get. Although starting Kevin Herter in Game 4 helped. Go ahead, Do Ryan. you see him like overtaking Tony Snell's minutes, just a handful off the bench, something like that? I when they were starting Solomon Hill, uh, there was some clamoring for please get, get Reddish out there for ten minutes a game and just let him play defense and miss a few jumpers because he can he can miss jumpers like Solomon Hill, but he can also play defense, you know. So mm-hmm. I would take 10, 12 minutes of Reddish at this point, but obviously he's pretty rusty. He couldn't play a lot, and he may not give you anything offensively. But they, they weren't getting anything out of that spot. Now that they've gone to Herder in the starting lineup, and they seem to be favoring this Danilo Gallinari at the four, John Collins at the three line up a bit more it may be a moot point but i, th- I thought i'd mention it i think nate said that it's not fair to put him out there for this game for tonight because mm-hmm. he hasn't played in three months but after that i could yeah. see him definitely getting some of those minutes and speaking of Dan- danilo gallinari man can he do something like come on bro <laughs> Oh, there were some agonizing moments in that game where, you know, Gallinari wide open on the wing, hard brick, Bogdanovich wide open in the corner, hard brick. And then meanwhile, Furkan Korkmaz 
I'm convinced is one of the greatest shooters I've ever seen. I mean, that guy <laughs> just is not missing in the playoffs. It's incredible. He's also not even hitting the rim. It's nothing but net. I'm so scared every time he gets the ball, Steve. It's nothing but net, man. Like he, he <laughs> he's money. Meanwhile, Danilo's out there throwing up one for six bricks. And come on, Gallinari. Yeah. You you guys yeah. are cl- are clearly so blinded by every shot that Corkmaz makes sends white hot rage through you because he's shooting thirty seven percent in the series. <laughs> what's is what's he shooting on threes though? Uh thirty five percent. What about the last couple games though, Ryan? What about his last shot? <laughs> okay, in the last couple games, he's five. He's five of eleven. He what? So yes. five of eleven from deep. Incredible. One of the <laughs> best shooters on the planet. <laughs> Incredible. Steph Curry, step aside. <laughs> no, Curry's yeah. scary too. All, I mean, the Sixers are a scary team. It was it was really fun for the Hawks to win that game four. I just want to reiterate, I am once again absolutely terrified heading into game five. I wish we had another day. I'm not ready for it. We're we're six hours and we're seven hours away, and I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. All right, we we already touched a little bit on the Clippers Jazz series. Any anything to add there on that one, guys? Looking ahead to Wednesday night, it's okay if there's not. But any final points on that one? What's Mike Conley's situation? I mean, without Conley, it's it's putting a lot of strain and pressure on Donovan Mitchell to produce offensively. And if he's even slightly off, does Utah have enough offensive firepower to put them over the top? They they were absolutely prolific shooting shooting the ball from from deep in this series and i think without Kawhi, it might all be a moot point yeah um, but i mean i think were Kawhi to be healthier were he to return in game six which seems unlikely that not having conley could be key to the series but as i said it might all be a moot point if Kawhi can't play yeah nothing as of yet on nbc sports edge on conley for game five you can uh, just go ahead and list him as questionable for game five like we have every other playoff game this season right um, but you know, if, if the Clippers don't have Kawhi, the Clippers sh- should get beat by the Jazz, but they got to play the game. And you know, the Clippers, you know, Paul George is going to step up, Pat Beverly's going to step up, Marcus Morris is going to step up, playoff Rondo might make an appearance, and the Jazz are still going to have to come out and win the game. But that should should not be a huge problem for them. But, you know, the Jazz jumped out to a 2-0 lead in that. Kawhi Leonard put the Clippers on his back, led them back uh, to tie it at 2-2. So, you know, Kawhi misses game five. He comes back for game six. The Clippers might be fine, but I'm worried about Kawhi playing again in the series. By the way, one last note on Chris Paul since we, we talked about it earlier. This is according to John Gambadoro from 98.7 FM Phoenix on Twitter. He said, my understanding is Chris Paul was vaccinated along with several other players back in February at the fairgrounds. That's a that's a verified account on Twitter. So perhaps that means, like you said earlier, Ryan, that Chris Paul is out of the protocols earlier than expected. But we just don't know. And we, we, we're not going to speculate on that. But that's just a little additional information there. OK. <laughs> OK, guys, quickly uh, coaching developments to hit. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, Stan Van Gundy is out after one season in New Orleans. Scott Brooks is out in Washington. And obviously, you guys know what my first question to every new Washington Wizards coaching candidate will be. If I was doing the interviewing. Oh, we're supposed to. Are you going to play? Are you going to start Daniel Gafford? How many minutes do you intend to play Daniel Gafford? That's the only question that matters. What is the acceptable response, Matt? 48 uh the same as kevin durant got last night no i 
I don't know. Do you think, um, I mean, that, that's all I can think of. Does anyone else have any rational thoughts on these coaching changes, Ryan? In terms of Scott Brooks being out in Washington, I guess the first thing that flashed through my mind, other than it being pretty predictable, he, he had run his course, it seemed, in, in Washington. His contract was expiring, and there were reports that he was on his way out prior to their late season surge, but it was too little too late for him. But the first thing from fantasy was this is probably a negative for Russell Westbrook because we saw them, you know, he thrived under Brooks in OKC. He had a down year in Houston and then thrived under Brooks in Washington. I think he just runs a system that is perfect for Westbrook, gives him complete carte blanche, uh, do what you want. So I don't know if a new coach will be as favorable for Westbrook, both in terms of style of play and game plan and in terms of willingness to just throw him out there and back to backs. I mean, Westbrook's getting up there in age. We all know his his knee surgery history. You know, uh, there might be a new regime that views him differently. Yeah, I don't know that I have much to add on Brooks. Uh, least surprising news of this day. In a busy news day, out of the four big items that hit before, I don't know, 10 o'clock this morning, uh, Scott Brooks not returning to Coach Washington was at the bottom of that list. Least surprising thing I've heard all day. Um I saw an interesting tweet on Westbrook. Um, first time he averaged a triple-double uh, in the NBA for a season, he won, I think, did he win MVP? or Yeah, I, th- I think he won MVP. He was an all-star, and he was an all-NBA selection. This time, triple-doubles, no all-star, no MVP mm. talk, no all-NBA team mentions. Like, it's it's weird that he's he's almost made everybody numb to – his triple double ness. Triple double ness. In fairness, on a less su- successful team, but to your point, the novelty is sort of worn off. We're no yeah. longer like, how in the world is he doing this? We're like, oh, that's Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah. And then on the on the uh, Stan Van Gundy side of things, like New Orleans is not. They don't look like a stable franchise. We rotate coaches. We get a guy like Anthony Davis. So, a championship winning player getting out of there, demanding out of there. And now they've got Zion and Zion's just sitting around watching all this with his agent. Like, dude, what, what is going on? Like, I need to go play with LeBron and AD. I need to go play with some studs somewhere else. I, I can't just wallow, you know, watch my career go down the drain, just sitting here while they try to figure out, who they want to coach the team. And it feels to me like Stan Van, his time has passed. And I'm not sure they ever should have brought him in in New Orleans in the first place, but I'm also not an NBA executive. All right, well, that is going to do it for us today. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're going to be back here on Friday to talk more playoffs. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and for watching live on YouTube. Steve, Ryan, thanks to both of you. We'll see you on Friday. Go Hawks. Thanks, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 